Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. What's up, guys? It's Yoni. Super excited to have you listen to my conversation with Nick Moore. I just wanted to give you some background and some color and some context around this conversation. I brought Nick onto the podcast because he is so well informed. He has an awesome knowledge and background in strength and conditioning in rehabilitation and prehabilitation, but also because he lived in this elite level baseball world. He played professional baseball in the Red Sox organization, as well as he is currently the starting long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. So he has an unbelievable background and he took an awesome path to get where he is today, but also because he has a very high level understanding of strength and rehab. It allows us to get into the weeds a little bit about what got him to where he is today physically. And so that's really the goal of the podcast is to make you guys listening just better sports PTs. Nick is going to help you do that. And those are the guests that you're going to frequently hear from people around this rehab and physical therapy community that's going to educate us and make us better at what we do. So understanding Nick's story is going to help you provide better care to your athletes that are in front of you and hoping for your help on a daily basis. So without further ado, please enjoy the conversation with Nick Moore. True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, thrilled to have Nick Moore join us. Nick Moore is the long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens, um, longtime friend for sure. Yes, um, of the practice. Yes, and super excited to hear the Nick Moore origin story. Tell us all about you. Introduce yourself <coughs> to sports physical therapists across the world. Uh, so my name is Nick Moore, as Yoni said. I'm going to my third year with the Baltimore Ravens. I am at 29, about to be 30. So getting up there in age. Uh, graduated high school back in 2011, um, got drafted to the Boston Red Sox in the 30th round in 2011. Um, spent about four and a half years or so with them um, and got cut in my fourth spring training uh, right at the end. And by that time, I was pretty much done with baseball. I was kind of burnt out, so I went a different route, went back to college, walked on at the University of Georgia, walked on to football as a linebacker. And uh, did that for about two weeks and moved to fullback and uh, played fullback for about two and a half years. And then uh, 2017, I moved to part-time, basically part-time, fullback, part-time long snapper. Um, played a couple games uh, at long snapper in 2017. And then 2018, my senior year, I moved to full-time long snapper. And uh, played out the whole year, my senior year, played all 14 games. Did the Reese Senior Bowl in... Uh, January of 2019, and then entered the draft in 2019, and uh, eventually went on as undrafted free agent to the New Orleans Saints. Um, got cut in uh, the f- after the second preseason game in 2019. Back when they put, we had four games, um, so played two games there. Got cut, um, dabbled around, did some workouts and stuff like that. After uh, after I got cut. Three or four weeks into the regular season 2019, I was kind of like, there's no way I'm going to get picked up at this point. Haven't played yet, so got a desk job. I worked as a financial accountant uh, for this company outside of Atlanta and then uh, signed to the XFL in uh, December of 2019. Played that all the way through until COVID happened in March of 2020 when uh, everything kind of shut down, so the XFL um, kind of suspended its season, and then two weeks after that, I signed to the Baltimore Ravens, March of 2020, and I've been here ever since. That's a crazy story, and what's what's yeah. crazier is I've heard it before, and you just lining it up like that, and just saying it as if all those things are normal is even yeah. more shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. So, just to to quickly summarize, you're. You were both a professional baseball player at a really yes. high level. You yep. made it how, how far? I uh, dabbled far? Two, 10 days in double A. So okay. 10 days. Cup of coffee, double A. Yeah. Um, and now you're a professional football player. Yes. Um, so you are the most accomplished 
baseball player in the NFL. Yes. I'm the only one who's actually made it. I think Hayden Hurst made it into A-ball. Um, and uh, all the other guys didn't really play. So, it, you know, in my world, the stereotype is that I'm either going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And if one of them doesn't work out, this happened to my college roommate. He said he wanted to be a doctor. It didn't work out. So he just you know, became a lawyer. Is that the norm? When you were growing up, you're like, hey, I'm going to be a pro athlete, and if it ain't baseball, it'll be football? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I knew for me, I always wanted to be I always wanted to be a baseball player, right? I never I never dreamt of playing in the NFL. Uh, we never really watched the NFL growing up. Being in Atlanta, you know, the Falcons, I guess when we had the Super Bowl in 99 or 2000, um, you know, we did the Super Bowl festivities, but... Growing up in the South, I mean, college football is everything. And my dad, we you know, we grew up watching Georgia football games from the time I could you know wa- see anything on TV. Um, and so, like, I just always watched. Sat- I mean, Saturday was football. Friday we play high school, Friday night lights, and then Saturday we watch college football, and then Sunday we just kind of hang out and and do whatever. So, NFL wasn't really on my radar. Um, baseball was always a dream for me. Um, gave it my best shot. Didn't quite work out for me, but. Uh, I definitely tried my hardest, <laughs> um, but but yeah. So f- football, I honestly like. I went to college with no aspirations of getting here. Like I was, I went to college to go to school, to to get a degree and get a good job. And I used football as a way to meet people because I was older going back to school. So I was in you know twenty two, twenty three when I was a freshman. So I was you know five years older than some of my classmates. So football was a way to meet people. And sports has a way of bringing people together and it kind of, you know, getting rid of uh, the differences or, or what or what have you. Um, so sports is a great way to do that. And um, that's kind of why I did football. And I, I wanted to use that as a way to make connections with in the business world, you know, outside of, of sports. When I got done with college, it would have been a great way to. You know, a great, uh, I guess, a bit starter, you know, talk, uh, starter to talk to somebody like, yeah, I play football at Georgia. And then, you know, people love that. So it would have been a great way to kind of get my foot in the door in some of these business places around. And I just kind of fell into my role now. I, I, I think you're right. Like the way you try to use sports to network, <clears throat> get yeah. your first gig. I think you could have done that with minor league baseball. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that, that really takes you far too in a lot of places. I know for us, when we're looking to hire sports PTs, that's gold. I don't, yeah. I don't even care what level. I mean, it's awesome to put a Division One athlete in front of another athlete to help them. But if you played anything, I think you're a better employee. Yeah, it's you just know, easier to relate, I think. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So. What I want to dig into, because that's that that story is fascinating and speaks to your resilience just as a as a person, um, and your preparation. But you struck me right away as soon as we started working together about your knowledge around the weight room, around fitness, around performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something you're obviously passionate about. Yeah. Um, so I want to hear about what really is the difference between training, strength and conditioning, rehab, prehab in baseball high levels yeah. versus football. What have you noticed? Um, so for me, I mean, the, the I guess the stereotypical baseball style of weight training and, and strength and conditioning is more about like endurance type stuff. You're not really – strength isn't as much of a factor because you, you kind of have a base level of strength. Strength has always been a, a very strong point of mine. It's always been a strong suit I've had. So I've always focused you're, on... So you're a bigger dude just yeah, for those yeah, who aren't yeah. looking at you. Yeah. Um, so And you played what positions in baseball? Uh, I got drafted as a third baseman and played first base as well. Okay, so you're you're playing corner, corner infield, infield spots. You're a bigger yeah. dude. W- tell me what the lifting looked like then for a bigger dude. Yeah. Specifics, because you're, you know, yeah, you're talking true. to an educated uh, yeah. we have, audience. So like when I was with the Red Sox in minor leagues... Um, we one of the things I really really liked about our strength and conditioning was our the guy who ran it name was Mike Roos he was a former uh, special spec ops guy uh, military and so he you know he had a different way to look at it than a lot of people but he was it was every, everything was in, in individualized so we had like truly individualized so everything we did what I did was very specific to me uh, what my body was good at and what my body needed to work on as far as rotational stuff a lot of core stability type stuff a lot of single leg balance control a lot of single leg squat 
shots, um, you know, single leg RDLs, stuff like that. And then a lot of that rotational app, like core, what, what, what I would consider the trunk as far as like the, the quads, the hamstrings, the glutes, the low back and the lower abdomen, the psoas area. And that, that came out of assessments of where you needed yeah. work? We did um, FMS, I believe. Right. And the, um, the Red Sox were notorious for like doing that throughout their entire yeah, work. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, we all did it. In spring training, that was like kind of the first thing we did. So we had... We had these baseline, uh, I mean, everyone calls them conditioning and strength tests, I guess. But really, we had our our conditioning test, which was three 300-yard um, shuttles, which was rather tough. But For the corner infielder. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's just tough in general. It's just it's not a fun it, – it only lasts a couple minutes. But it's it's not – I mean, we had we did 55 seconds to run it. You had three minutes and five seconds in between. And so basically there's four groups running it. One group would run. Then they would wait until the other three groups ran. And then it was their turn to go again. And, you know, that was kind of the baseline when you get into, uh, into spring training. But we also had, like, you had to do barbell split squats with a certain percentage of your body weight. And you had to be, and you had to do inverted rows. I guess supine bar rows, if it makes sense. So prone. You, yeah. So you're laying your stomach. No. So you're laying underneath like a oh, bench. Gotcha. Okay. And you're you're holding onto the bar, and you're basically doing an uh, like a pull up, uh, like an inverted pull up. So your your body's kind of like this, and you're pulling your chest to the bar, and you're coming down. Your feet are kind of elevated on the bench. Australian push up, we call it. Okay. So it's like a literally a reverse push up, yeah. but uh, we call them inverted rows. And so you had to do. You had a certain number i think the number was 15 um okay. so you had to get 15 of those and you had to get like six uh, of each leg on the barbell uh split squat whatever your percentage of your weight was um but the strength stuff wasn't it was more of just to uh, kind of check in and make sure you're doing you're working out in the off season the the uh, conditioning test is what really was like this is a test like this is a true test and we also did what we called uh we had our fields or you know they do the clover where there's four fields kind of in a circle and it was called a super lap so it's essentially a mile and you you'd have to do a super lap in 7 minutes uh 8 minutes 8 minutes sorry okay so that was the socks what year uh this was 2011 well, actually 20 mike got hired in 2012 um so 2012 to 2015 okay and had you it's definitely changed now cuz i know people in the red sox or oh, yeah. but I, I mean, they were at, at more of the cutting edge just being systematic about it, mm -hmm. um, like like using FMS and kind of coming back to it. Um, but how do you feel about that? Like, how do you feel about their strength and conditioning? you feel like it prepped you? To I, yeah, I thought we did a lot of stuff that it, it definitely helped. Like, because one of the biggest things in baseball is you, you deal with that you play for so long, your body starts breaking down. And I think one of the things that they did really well was kind of – not necessarily eliminate that because it would happen just because of the, the, the grind of baseball, but they did a really good job of giving us that muscle endurance that would help us kind of push off. You know, you, you, you see a lot of guys in baseball by middle of July, you're like, dude, I'm ready to be done. We've been playing since February. You know, we would go to spring training in February and by July, you're like, dude, 4th of July hits. You're like, man, we still have two months of baseball. And so that is like one of the big things in baseball that you have to learn how to get past. And I think that Mike and, and the guys with the Red Sox did a really good job of, of kind of help making that, that show up in the beginning of August, you know, giving us that a little extra juice, a little bit extra muscle endurance that helped kind of push that off a little bit and kind of prolong our ability to play well. Cause at the end of the season, you're just doing everything you can to put it together. Yeah. You know, baseball is a, is, a, is a very different sport. So absolutely. It's a marathon. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you were kind of training for that. So, so yeah. that's awesome. What did it look like in season? Um, so in season was, was tough in the, for me, I was, I did extended spring training a couple of times. So we're down in Florida in our main facility. So we have, I had access to, all, you know, all the normal stuff. So we're doing, you know, we're, we're on more of a regiment, like a regular routine because we don't travel overnight. So we, we would basically travel. We played the same three teams. We played Orioles Monday and Tuesday. We played the Rays Wednesday and Thursday, and we played the Twins Friday and Saturday. So we drive there, come back, same day. You're working out during extended. I think we were working out like five days a week. Five days a week and similar type moves? Yeah, very similar. It wasn't – now, some people were heavier. Like I like to do heavier weights, so we did a lot of – um, what I would consider 90-90 bench press with the dumbbells, incline dumbbell, um, flat bench or flat, uh, yeah, flat bench dumbbell, um, 
And we would do a lot of the leg stuff, trying to just continue to build. Because you're not really – extended is a different type of grind than the regular season. You're still playing ball, but the travel and the wear and tear of not sleeping and all that stuff and the bad dieting doesn't really affect you as much in, in uh, extended spring training. So you're really still trying to build up that base for when short season hits in uh, the middle of June. Um, so we did the, – the for me, there was no difference between extended – and regular spring training you just you just kept it was literally the same exact routine it just two months extended i mean that's like it literally what that's it was brutal. um so it was it was a lot of it was the same now you get to the regular season when you get to long season it becomes more tri- you know a lot trickier because you're traveling into these small towns throughout america and you know like batavia new york and fishkill new york and uh, lowell massachusetts where we were we were at um you know mahoning valley ohio all these small towns and you you know you're driving through the night i remember one one trip we played in staten island at 7 a.m or 7 p.m sorry and we had a extra inning game played 12 innings and we had to drive all the way to mahoning valley ohio It was an eight-hour drive and we had to play the next night and it's like, so you do you do something like that. You can't work out for like three or four days because you got to play the game. That's the priority. So the workouts during the season, you know, they start off really good, but then as the season goes on, you're just it's like you're you're almost checking the box. As bad as that sounds, and so it, it definitely became light, like less weight. Most of it was body resistance or band resistance, um, very lightweight stuff. Still trying to, you know, build up the, the have the reps high, like a high rep scheme, but it just, the weight went way down and it was more of body maintenance at that point, just to push you through the end of the year so that you, you didn't completely fall apart in August, which happens to a lot of guys. Yeah. And then any rehab component at that point? Um, for me, not other than like your, your regular shoulder maintenance, you know, making sure your shoulders and elbows are still really, you know, strong from throwing a lot, playing third base, you know, you're throwing a lot. And then just regular maintenance, like making sure your back is good, your, you know, your knees and your feet and stuff like that. I didn't personally have any injuries in baseball, so I didn't uh, do a whole lot of rehab stuff, but I know like in extended, you have access to the like that's where the big leaguers rehab. So you have access to the same trainers that they do when they come down. And like when I was there, we had and Dice K was hurt a lot. Carl Crawford was hurt a lot. Ellsbury was hurt a lot. So we had a lot of big league talent that was down in Fort Myers. So we're getting access to guys that were using it. You know, they're getting access to some of the best doctors we had to supply because between Ellsbury and, and uh, Crawford, that's that was two hundred million for us, you know, at the time. So, and that was when two hundred million was a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. hundred million dollar hundred. I think Crawford signed a hundred million dollar deal, and that was like hundred eighty, I think, and like that was huge. And he didn't play at all. They he didn't play at all. For no, the Sox. no. When they came down there, like if they come down to Double AA, A, Triple A, they're covering the spread. Yeah, what, most what of the time for you down there. So well, we yeah. had Crawford was with us for about three weeks. Um, he played with us for about three weeks. He was down there for about three months. Uh, I remember it was 2012 was my rookie season, so I was in the um, short season, or I was in the uh, GCL, is what it was called, but it was like the uh, first level of base professional baseball. And so him and Ellsbury, we had them both at the same time. And Ellsbury, excuse me, Ellsbury was down there. I think he probably played like two weeks, like 10 games with us. And I think Crawford played closer to 20. And uh, Ellsbury, I don't think he did anything for us. Come on. Yeah. Well, it, 100 million. He's yeah. not taking you out for a sandwich. No, extended is di- uh, being down in the rookie league like that. When you're at the facility, it's totally different because he's in the other side. He's in the big league locker room. You don't even see him. No, we n- only saw him at the game. He didn't practice with us. He didn't, you know. We saw him because, like, for us, we had big league batting cages, big league fields, and big league locker room. So it's totally separate. totally separate. Yeah, from us, we were in the you know the the now, lower you, levels. You're stuff. sharing docks. Yeah, are you sharing weight room? Sharing weight. Yeah, we only had one weight. There's only or well, there was at the time only one weight. So room. you're seeing what they're doing. Yeah, you're doing the same stuff. So it's like he was doing. I remember he did a lot of body weight stuff, a lot of slide board. He did. He loved the slide board. A lot of rotational. I don't know the exact terminology. Do you think that it was they different than what you were doing though? It was definitely definitely a little bit slightly different. Yeah, because he was dealing with. I can't remember if it was like an oblique thing he had at so the time. I like that it was individualized. Oh, everything was. It was. It was honestly impressive because there's a lot of dudes in the professional organization. Now it wasn't as individualized during like if you're in Double A, let's say it was because you got one trainer. He's you know he's usually and I, for one for instance when I was in the minors, 
all the guys we had that weren't so our guys that were like real Red Sox trainers, they were in the big leagues, then they were in they were in charge of the the rookie league in Florida. Those were our two main guys. Mm-hmm. And then we had we had three. His other guy's name was Edgar, but he was there because he was bilingual and, and you know stuff like that. But he was also in Florida. And then the dudes that are spread out throughout the organization are kind of guys that they're only there for a year. You know, they're they're kind of I don't want to say interns, but essentially they're glorified interns. And they're bouncing. Yeah, yeah. And so they don't and it's so it's not as individualized. It's more of a hey, let's get um, infielders who are over here or middle infielders here, or catchers over or you know, pitchers over here, stuff like that. But Okay, so compare that to what you see in professional football. Now, what what you see I assume it's different, but you tell me what you've seen in XFL? Yeah, forever with that, you know, whatever that was, and and now with the Ravens and the Saints in the NFL. Yeah, so the XFL was, it was something <laughs> we did. Kind of, I mean, we had a strength coach. Uh, I honestly can't remember his name, but he was with the Dolphins for a couple of years. He worked with the Dolphins, but um, it was we didn't have a whole lot. So we our facility was the Cincinnati Reds old baseball facility, and it was you know it was kind of run down. So they had converted the batting cage into like an outdoor weight room. Kind How of. many swings did you take there? Oh, if there was actually a batting cage there, I would have taken a lot. Yeah. But we practiced on the old, the old spring training field. And I would, dude, I'm telling you, I would imagine hitting home runs every day. I'm sure you would instead <laughs> of awesome. snapping. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, what was training? So it was, it was, we had a pretty decent setup, but we did your traditional football lifts. We did bench, power clean, squat. And our, our trainer had stuff for us to do. But it was one of those things that, you know, it's 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 kind of like a semi-pro league. So you kind of do whatever you want. Um, position specific? For No, not at that time. I wasn't doing anything uh, position specific at that time. I What I would do is my, my roommate was our punter, and he's a he was a big, like, workout guy, super jacked. Uh, kind of looks like uh, the Liver King. Oh, okay. <laughs> not not quite you. Okay. Not that jacked. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so we did um, a, a version of the West Side Barbell yep. type style workouts. We would do um, we would do like heavy arms, and then we would do heavy legs, and we would do like uh, I think he called it like recovery arms, recovery legs, and then we would do kind of like a fast twitch arms and legs. So him and I would go to like I can't remember the name of the gym, but it was essentially a Gold's Gym or or whatever. In um, we were in um, Plant City, Florida, yeah, Polk County, and um, so we would go to the local gym and we would go every day. We go six days a week at six a.m. before practice. We started practice at nine. We had to be at the facility at nine, so we would go at six because we only had to work out twice with the team, and they were not good workouts. So you're you're lifting on your own, yeah, trying to stick around, doing doing everything I can, trying to create some tape. Yeah, doing. West Side Barbell stuff that yeah. you and the punter decided. Yeah, he he basically made up our workouts. Okay. Uh, his name was Jake Shum, and he was super jacked. And like, you mentioned that. Like, very, very shredded. Yeah. And like I was like, man, this would be awesome if I could just get shredded. Did it work? No. Okay. I got huge. <laughs> I did get just jacked. Just really... I did. I did. I went from like two fifty to like that was when I got to the two sixty range. Did it make you a better snapper? I think it. I think it definitely. So I I look at like tape from like 2020 when I was here in Baltimore like training camp and that was like I'm a really good snapper I'm a, I'm a different snapper now but like velocity and stuff like coming off those workouts because we did that from basically December to March like every day so you, you felt like your velocity was way yeah it was it was it accuracy was, did it affect it ac- uh, I mean accuracy was I mean 2020 I I feel like that was one of the better times in my snapping era you credit west side barbell workouts for that i don't necessarily know if i credit west side barbell but what i was doing with jake definitely helped because that like when i was in the xfl i was a good snapper and even when i was with the saints i was a good snapper but i wasn't quite i wasn't anywhere near and i think a lot of how i was in 2020 had to do with who i was working with um, morgan cox i think he kind of honed in on a lot of the raw skill that i had um, and definitely made me the snapper that I am right now. What's up, guys? It's Yoni from True Sports Physical Therapy. We are always looking for awesome sports PTs. Our practice is super unique. We are in network with insurance, but we spend one-on-one time for 45 minutes every single session with our athletes. We are housed in state-of-the-art facilities, high ceilings, 
big open turf spaces, racks, barbells, weights. It is a performance facility with the world's best sports physical therapist housed within them. And we want to add to our team and grow our team of awesome sports physical therapists. We offer awesome salaries, great benefits. More importantly, the ideal setup to provide the highest levels of care to the highest levels of athletes. We have awesome continuing education benefits. We have career ladders. We designed this practice to suit both the patient and the athletic patient, as well as the sports PT. So if you're interested in joining an awesome growing company, reach out. You can send us an email at pod at truesportspt.com. You can find us on all social outlets at truesportspt. We would love to hear from you. We want to hear how we can make your career even better. Um, so, so let me interject for a second because I'm going to bring it back to yeah, sports PTs because what you, ju- you just mentioned a few unbelievable themes number one you you went into your sports biography which was insane and as you dice like pull that apart like i think it's crazy that you went from baseball to elite level college football to now pro football but it's starting to make a bunch of sense when you listen to the work that you put in this is not hey i'm a big boy from georgia i'm gonna do something physical for a living this is you attack these things and got better at them yeah. and constantly looking as how to get better at them. And I think that goes a long way. I think that's so applicable to what we do. Really, anyone does. Anyone, yeah. I think that's anyone, anyone does is if you want to be great, you have to put in the work. There's, like, yeah, there's only one way to get there. There's only one way to get there's there. No, I can't remember who the famous said it, but there's no shortcuts. Just, you have to work and, you know, that's... Where'd you learn that? Uh... I feel like, I mean, as a kid, I was always a prima donna, my parents would say, but I always had a passion for for sports. I would I would be, I was the kid who hated to cut the grass, but I would take 400 swings off the tee in the net in the front yard by myself in the middle of the summer in Georgia during the daytime. And I would, you know, I, I hated being outside, but if the kids want to play wiffle ball or tennis, baseball in this cul-de-sac, and I was going to play, or football or something like that. So I, I didn't like the the manual labor per se because you know my brothers they did like manual labor construction and stuff with my uncle and i hated doing that but i loved lifting weights i started my dad started me lifting weights in fifth grade and i just i i don't know there was something about it i always i always loved doing that kind of stuff hitting in the cage was not i would do that for hours i'd go hit i'd take four or five hundred swings a day and you know some of that kind of hurt me in my baseball career because you started to build bad habits but i just i i've always really really liked working towards like a sporting goal sports has always been my like priority so i've never had an issue i feel but having heard also that there's a lot of brains that comes with this brawn if you were still doing financial accounting which is apparently a thing yeah i feel like you'd do that too. yeah i think yeah, I think for me, I think it's just like my mindset. I when I I don't there's not a whole lot of stuff I like to do, but the things I do like to do, I I just have this burning desire to be the best at it. Even if it's like video games or something, I I hate losing. You know, I hate like being unsuccessful or you know, if somebody challenges me with a task, like when I was working as an accountant, I was way in over my head. Like I got the degrees to back it up, but dude, I was I had no idea what was going on. But I think, you know, having having the mindset that i have and like being around the people that are uber successful and you know that also do that are also kind of hard workers like me it just made me want to do well for them like my boss at the time i was like man i just want to get this done because he you know he gave me this task and i'm going to do it to the best of my ability and i can't one of my biggest pet peeves is people that do stuff halfway i hate it 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 really really irks me when it's people half-ass stuff so like you said, that's applicable to fields, you know, of all types. Any, anywhere, yeah. It, it's also the other thing that you just hit on, which I think is so important, is how you found a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, you you came into to a roster with the league's best snapper on it. Yeah, there was a zero percent chance I was going to make this team here because of Morgan Cox. Yeah, and, and so credit to Morgan 100%. for for 
for you know taking you under his wing and, and teaching you the finer things, but also credit to you to say I'm gonna I'm gonna learn as much as possible as opposed yeah. to being so combative. Super applicable <clears throat> in my world, right? Like we bring on sports PTs, we want them to learn from the clinic directors, to learn yeah. from those around them, and vice versa. We want those to teach um, those underneath them. So I think those are like really strong lessons, like you said that that kind of apply to anything. Yeah, I think for me personally, I learned that through baseball. I remember I got when I got drafted, there was a kid that got drafted a year before me, Garen Cicchini. Uh He made it to the big leagues. I think he got a cup of coffee in the big leagues. But he was like a third-round third baseman, and he was one year before me out of high school. And I had a really, really tough time. He's a great guy. And I had a really, really tough time being friends with him because we – I, I felt like, oh, this guy's my position. You know, I can't be friends with him. No, that's just, that's just the silliest thing I've ever heard. Like, you have a guy in your position. Like, you're not competing. Like, you are competing against him, but there's 31 other roster, or 29 other teams in baseball. You're, you, why not get the best out of each other, you know? You want that competition, but it's got to be a friendly – it's got to come from a good place, you know? And I think Morgan – he, t- you know, he definitely taught me that because he, I mean, not yeah, a lot still of, do it. Yeah, yeah, he's still, still he's my mentor. Every time I do something happens at practice or at the game and I'm like, dude, what'd you see? Like I send him film, you know, almost every day you know, he's probably annoyed. I talk with him so much, but you know, not a lot of guys in our position because it's, it's my position is very hard to get a job. It's very, very difficult to get into the NFL as a long snapper. And you know, it's it's honestly really hard to get to like that third or fourth year, and then from there, as long as you continue to just you know do what you always do, then it's easy to keep the job. Oh, I say easy. It's you know it's easier to keep the job. But one of the thing that like coming into the league, it's very difficult to get in. So you don't get a lot of guys like Morgan that are willing to tell you the secrets. You know, a lot of guys will they'll give you a little some some here or there, but they're gonna hold back. You know, some of the good stuff because their job's on the line. You know, and Morg just. He did that with a lot of guys. I mean, he's got six or seven guys that was under him yeah. uh, that came through the Ravens that are now in the NFL. But but you sought it out, and I think that's yeah. an awesome lesson. Well, know? I wanted to learn from the best. I mean, that's why I chose. That's ultimately why I wanted to be here. Like it, it took me my my stint in New Orleans to realize that I didn't know everything, especially about how to play long snapper at this level. And there was only one way I was going to find out. And that was by working with the guy who I thought, or I think is the best guy at my job in the NFL. And, you know, I don't know where I'd be if I'd never came here. Like, who knows? You're, you're not the first specialist that I've heard that from in terms yeah. of coming to Baltimore. I think it's an awesome legacy that Morgan, Justin, Sam. Yeah, they, that trio is, was electric for a very long time. And when you get, when you get three guys like that, that work together for nine years and that compete at that level that they performed at for so long, you know, that's rare. You don't get that a lot in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of these guys, they play a long time, but they bounce around. They go, you know, they play four or five years here and then they go somewhere else. And I mean, Sam played here 16 years. Morgan was here 11 and Justin's been here. Is he now in year 11? I mean, that's rare. And so being around those guys in 2020, the whole season, you know, as, as much as I wanted to play, that was the best thing mentally for me and physically for me too. Um, and so, so that's kind of that's when I met you. You you joined uh, a workout with Sam. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we got we got pretty granular and specific. Where I would have, e- even though it was just you two, I yeah. gave you like, hey, I think this is going to work for your position. Let's try a couple of these drills, Sam. You try this. I think that was the first time I I, I really dove into sp- like position specific stuff. So so that me. bleeds into what I'm. Tell me about. Is that a, does that exist in the NFL from what you've seen? If not, why? I mean, <laughs> I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I wouldn't say the wrong thing. I would say, and I'm, I, I don't need to know about specific organizations. You talk to everyone across yeah. the league. It's such a tight. I don't think for us, I think we kind of get lumped into a category. My position is like, oh, you're like for me, they're like, oh, you're a you're a tight end or you're a linebacker because I'm big guy. Mm-hmm. And not that big, but <laughs> some some aspects of it, you're right. I, I need some of the stuff that they do, I need. But my job is very, very specific and my body works in such a precise way in order for me to, to be successful 
on a day daily basis that I there's a lot of things that I that linebacker needs that I don't need. I need a mobility, you know, I need that shoulder mobility, I need that upper back mobility, I need hip mobility, I need core strength, I need like, you know, I need very strong forearms and you know, and good in like hamstrings and like I need a good base and stuff like that, but it's a very minute thing that I do and it's very very precise that sometimes I think that gets overlooked at my position. Now kickers and punters is very specific. I think you know, I, I think that that's become such a mainstream idea that kickers, you know, because kickers put points on the board for the team so they help win games, especially here. Tuck, Tuck is an unbelievable kicker, so he scores a lot of points for us from very, very far ranges. So he has his, you know, that is kind of like a not not so new idea. But I think the, the long snapper position-specific type stuff, I, I think a lot of, People would laugh at that idea, honestly. And, you know, it's part of my position. It's it's a very overlooked position until it becomes an issue. It's like, it's one of those things you like, you don't notice it. It's like when your check engine light's on in your car. It's it's not a big deal until your car stops working. And then you're like, well, what the heck's going on? And that's kind of how a lot of people view, I think a lot, I don't know, but I think a lot of people um, around football in general, you know, kind of think it, long snapping is just, it, it's, it's okay. It's just a thing. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's nothing special, which it, you know, it's not a huge deal, but is a very, very difficult job. And it's really difficult. And it's, no. it's insanely exacting and precise yeah. and you're exactly right. You don't, you don't want the crowd to know your name because if no. they do, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but you got to figure out how to train so that you yeah. don't do something. Mean, well, my like my body knows right away when I go down to snap that first ball of the day. I know right away. Oh man, I'm, we did legs yesterday. I'm sore. I can't get it. My stance feels weird. I can't sink into my hips as much as I want to. Or we do upper. My my I don't have as much range in my shoulders. My biceps are tight or something. And that you know people are like oh that's not a big deal and i'm like dude it's a huge deal if my if i can't get my hands half an inch further than they need to go to start that's the difference between me snapping the ball on the ground and me snapping the ball at the hip you know it's like or me snapping a six o'clock lace field goal snap or a 12 o'clock lace field goal snap and you know i think until long snappers get the the credit that we deserve i feel like it's it's one of those things that may always be overlooked I think that's true. I think there's there's certainly value in in hearing the way you've begun to attack it, and that is yeah. be precise about all things, everything, nutrition, uh, yeah. fitness, uh, all things. It's it's your freaking livelihood, right? Yeah. There's. I mean, we. I I've I've been doing it for about three years now, so <clears throat> I have a pretty good like daily routine that I get into. You know, we start practice at one thirty. When you know twelve fifteen rolls around, you know I start my I do sauna ice bath. And then shower, start getting dressed, and then I'm I go into the weight room and I got I do shoulder dislocates with PVC. I do a lot of shoulder mobility, forearm stuff, um, core to build like just to get me activated, kind of ready to go for practice. And I do that practice and games Saturday. I do that basically Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. That is something that I've noticed since yeah. working with you is how regimented you are. It's also unbelievable i don't know whether you're just lying in my face but when i say to you hey like are you still doing that exercise yeah no if i put it in if it's something that we put in like the shoulder stuff or the forearms the rotation stuff with the forearms if we put something in that i think like i do it a couple times i'm like man this really helps it's in like it, it it just stays in and it's like it's one of those things that it might add some days i might do a shortcut because i'm running late or something but if it's wednesday punt day or friday punt day or sunday it's I'm in I'm in there. That's it's an hour long. I mean, not hour, but it's like 30, 45 minutes long of of getting my routine down. Before, you know, pregame and then into pregame warmups and then after pregame warmups before the game starts. There's that routine I just do every day, and I think it's unconscious at this point. I, don't even... I mean, I think that's awesome. I think we'll we'll get a little bit more into that later. Yeah. But it sounds like you know what kind of works for you. What <clears throat> what I think is important to highlight there is. These routines, the stuff that you realize works for you, again, it's the same thing in what we do for a living in that when you understand how to relate to a athlete, when you understand how to perform a proper assessment, you can't get lazy when no. it's visit number whatever of the day. Yeah. When you find out something that works, 
you got to own that. That's got to be a piece of your routine. So um, I'll just leave it at that. I got I got one more for you, and that is a guy like me, uh, sports PTs that are working with a guy like you, um, a professional athlete. Give us some advice as to how to provide you with the best session. And I'm talking in an individual session. When you walk into my practice, what is it that you hope that your provider is able to give to you that you can leave and say, you know what, that was a hell of a session? So I think the first thing, you know, working with you, I think the first thing we did was kind of deep dive into what my position is and what I need. Like, what do I think is important in my job and what parts of my body that I think I need to be able to be successful at my and my job and so we talk through that we dive through that you know i think this is how i move and i go through we you know we go through slow-mo obviously not everyone is as specific as me but if i'm coming in you know i want to know i want you to know exactly what i do and what i feel when i do it like how what my brain feels my body is doing when i'm actually snapping so that way you have a good understanding of like what's true what's firing what now what you see and what i feel could be two different things but most of the time at this stage of the game you know i feel like it, we're on we're on the same page in that you know you know exactly what <clears throat> what i how i initiate my snap what kind of things i'm working on as far as you know when we were working on trying to control my upper back more not driving my shoulders down keeping my head up and out of it and so then we just we you and I you come up with an, a plan to to kind of attack. Hey, these are the things I think we should do to help you have better stability in your in your core in your upper body, and strengthening your you know your upper back and stuff that would help control and working on that body control to where you can do your hand arm movement freely, and then you're you're still able to control my core and my head and my neck and stuff like that. So I think. You know, just having a good understanding of the player and what he feels. Because my my biggest pet peeve when it comes to this stuff is like, at the end of the day, I'm the athlete. I'm the one who has to put. I'm putting my life on the line every time I go out there, and I'm the one who's risking my livelihood of me and my family to play. So, as a strength coach or as a as a PT, I feel like the best thing you can do is not come in there and be like, "This is how I do it." Like n- no, it's not because I'm the player. You're you're the you're the trainer. So I think you know if you're able to assist him, you know, and and maybe he's wrong in some ways, maybe he's not. But as a player, you know, we don't want to be told like, hey, this is 100 percent not correct, you know. And I think as a strength coach, one of the my baseball, the guy we had in baseball, I mean, he was he was he was so awesome that he always would take listen to the players. Like, you get a guy like Mookie Betts coming in there saying, hey, Mike, you know, my back's tight or my hands feel slow and my legs feel heavy. Mike's not going to tell a $400 million player that he has to do something. You know, hey, you have to squat. I know. Um, And I think there's some things that we need to do that maybe I don't want to do. You know, for me, there's a couple things I hate doing, but I know that they're good for me. And there's other things that I know that they're not going to help me. And so I don't believe in them. So it's really hard to get me to do it because it's, I, I feel in my heart of hearts that it's not productive. And so I, I end up half-assing it or, you know, don't do it at all. And I think, you know, from a, a trainer perspective, I think your best asset is being able to listen and understand the player and, you know, because you're the you're the science guy. You know the, how the body works. You know muscles you, better than I do. I have a really good feel for what how my body works. Like like I always say, nobody knows my body better than me, right? I know when my body's tired. I know when it feels good. I know when it's moving fast. I know when it's moving slow or when I get long and stuff like that with my snap. But you know the human body better than I do, right? So you know what muscles might be causing my hands to be slow or might be causing my neck to, or my upper back to kind of dip through because I'm trying to generate more force that I don't, from other parts of my body that I don't need to. And so I think that's where you add in that stuff where like, hey man, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to generate, you're trying to generate power from the rest of your body when you don't need to. If you strengthen, you know, these, like your shoulders, your upper back and and your core, then you can stabilize your body better and your arms will be able to move better and more freely in their, in your uh, motion that, 
you know, that's kind of where the, the strength coach is able to really dive in and, and just make the athlete better overall. That's, I mean, you hit on a, a something that's near and dear to my heart. Our number one job, I think, as sports PTs, strength coaches as well, is listen to the app. Yeah. It's not about us. Yeah. It's about you. I think you, you develop, you and I have been working long enough together that I know how intelligent you are about the way your body moves. Yeah. I think an even bigger struggle is when athletes they don't understand maybe, themselves. Maybe, exactly. And when that happens is how well can we teach? How yeah. well can we explain? How well can we become a team to say, here's maybe actually what's happening. But the bottom line is it's about the athlete. I think that's yeah. that's what you're talking about. Breaking down movement. Um, you mentioned that like it's not every athlete comes in. Can I Google my patient's name and find video of them? Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Yeah. But And I could do that with a guy like Nick Moore. Yeah. But... Um, guy comes in, even if it's a standard ACL and he's a high school football player, well, he's a receiver, let's say. Uh, I have to know what a receiver does. Yeah. Uh, what, what, you know, how do they break down? How do they accelerate? Um, how do they change direction? How do we teach that? What are good principles yeah. to do that? How, and then sprinkle on top of the pathology itself. How do we deal with um, an ACL? How do we deal with a meniscus? What does that mean for where we are mm -hmm. in, in that overarching world? Um, I think those are all important pieces. Just because the guy on your table is not Nick Moore, is not a professional athlete, doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to, one, understand how that athlete needs to move, and two, meet that athlete where yeah. they are. Right? And it's, it's it, for me, I can reference it to kind of like batting stance. You know, there's not one proper way to hit a baseball. There's nine million different batting stances in the world. And I think athletes, just because you have the same injury as somebody else doesn't necessarily mean that your body's going to handle, is going to respond the exact same way as somebody else. And, you know, I, I was I was in college with Nick Chubb, and he had a gruesome knee injury in 2015. And I'm, I'm, I'm smiling not because he, he, Nick Chubb had, a, had an injury. I'm smiling because it's like... The amount of elite level athletes that you have interacted with, I, in I, I life, a lot it's of, nuts. I've been very fortunate. I've met a lot of really, really awesome athletes. Mookie Betts. Yeah, he's one of my nearest and dearest friends. Nick Chubb. Chubb is an awesome guy. I was his tutor in math. Cedric Mullins. Cedric's my boy. We played Little League ball and high school ball together. Yoni Rosenblatt. Yoni, well, uh, that's my guy. That's my guy. <laughs> Sam Cook. Sam Cook's one of my closest friends is right now, and he's he's just an awesome guy to be around. Uh, who a am lot. I missing? Justin Tucker is a legend. Obviously, he's a, he's a great player. Um, who uh, this was Morgan crazy. Cox. Morgan Cox. Yeah, we mentioned him already. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, man, I'll <laughs> never forget that dude. Holy crap! Sophomore year of high school, man, that guy's pumping a hundred. He's a senior. I'm a sophomore. He's pumping a hundred on the on the bump, dude. And we only had one hit, but it was your boy. <laughs> I had a, I had a bloop. I had a bloop single up the middle. What was the count? Uh, honestly, I think it was oh one or maybe one one. I can't remember, but we were getting stomped, dude. They were just that dude, and we had some guy like uh, my buddy Trey Martin. He was a, drafted the Cubs. Um, he didn't make, make the big leagues, but he played like ten years in the minors. And what, do, what do you mean your buddy? Where was he? He was on your team. We were high school teammates. Yeah, yeah. So Trey and then Ronnie Freeman was our catcher. He was a stud. He he made it. I don't know if he ever made it to the big leagues, but he's a He's a hitting coach now with the Giants. Um, the, the you mentioned they running back on the Ravens from today. That oh Kenyon Drake, yeah, Kenyon Drake. Him and I played high school ball against each other. He went to Hillgrove High School outside of Atlanta, and I went to Brookwood. And he was a one year behind me. And uh, and he'll say this if he's if he ever watches this, he'll say this. I was a stud in high school football. Okay? <laughs> and what position did you? Play? I played safety. I was uh, about six three, six two and a half, six three, about two oh five. Nick, okay, Nick. Anyway, the guys that you have interacted, I've been with, very lucky. The guys that you have competed with and yeah, against, yeah. it's it's a who's who. It's really unbelievable. What's the one thing you've noticed in common from what they have done or their personalities? I think two things. They're f number one is they're all their humility. They're all awesome people. They're all very very nice, genuine people. Um, no matter how big they got, no matter, I mean, Mookie Betts hit me up just a couple of weeks ago and said, congrats on having a baby, you know, and he's Mr. $400 million guy. And, you know, we, we, I haven't seen him in, per I've seen him once in person since I got cut. Um, twice, actually twice. Um, but I think humility and then work ethic. I think all these guys, 
have unbelievable work ethic. I mean, you talk about, you know, Sam well, and you know, Morgan, Sam's probably one of the hardest workers I've ever met in my life. And it, not just football. That guy works at everything at being a dad at, you know, working at his, on his yard, working on cars, stuff like everything he does. He always, he always wants to be great as, as he says, and Justin's the same way and Morgan's the same way. And, and Seti, I mean, dude, Seti was a backup on our high school baseball team. And when I was there, he probably had five at bats. And now that guy's, you know, one of the one of the premier center fielders in the game or starting center fielder for the Orioles and I Yeah, think and he's gonna America. be C team yeah, Team USA. And I mean that guy he had to overcome so much, I think. You know, he only played one year of high school baseball. He went to North Carolina A and T, you know, very, very small baseball school. And I don't know if when he was drafted or if he was drafted. I don't know all of that stuff. But, I mean, that guy had to overcome a lot of adversity to get to where he's at today. And that just shows how hard he worked and, you know, how awesome of a, of a guy he is. And, I mean, just remarkable what he was been, he's been able to accomplish uh, at the major league level. And, I mean, all those guys. I mean, dude, one of my best friends is a starting pitcher. I guess now he's a – he moved to the bullpen. Um, but he was a starting pitcher for the Royals for since 2018. In the same way, that guy was going to Presbyterian College to play baseball. He was an eighth round draft pick to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Kind of fluttered around in high A and double A, and then got rule fived by the Royals. And he's been in the big leagues ever since, never looked back. And so, all these guys, humility and work ethic, obviously, yeah. um, so, so applicable to, to what we're trying to do here with this I, yeah. with the podcast is just trying to educate sports PTs how to be awesome. Talking yeah. to people like you who have made it at such high levels, um, that, that lesson, I think is easy to apply and, and really resonates. I want to thank you for your time. And of course, joining us dude, I the, love the true sports pod. I love talking, man. I got a lot to say. Well, you're good at it. I f you need your own podcast. Have you I thought about that? Oh, I, you know, I was talking to Morgan about that and he, he shut me down. So we'll see. <laughs> see we, we'll, we'll see. What let's see if he'll listen to the sports. If he TV. hears this one and hears how good eloquent of a speaker I am, which I'm definitely not, but no, I've just, I've dealt with a lot of experience a lot in my life and in sports. I've dealt with a lot of adversity. Uh, so it's it's always fun to talk about, and it, it you know the hope is that somebody listens and somebody can apply it to them, and somebody you know it helps somebody yeah get to because it wasn't easy to get here you know I took a very very long road it's still not easy every day is hard you know so but, but you you really like you you really mind the details and it, and it's it's awesome to see and it's been awesome to see your success um, really becoming one of like you and Morgan Cox, the absolute best long snappers in the game. Um, so it's, it's just been great to see that. Thank you for your time. Along those lines, we want to get better at what we're offering on the podcast. So hit us up at pod at truesportspt.com. We want to know about future guests that you want to have on here. We want to know any questions you'll have. We have a ton of questions coming in um, just about how to be a better sports PT that we're going to put together um, an Ask Me Anything episode where I'll be just dealing with those questions. So you better be listening. No, I'm in there. I he's listen a, all the time. He's listening. Um, keep listening. Share it. Love it. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. If you'd like more information on today's episode, please visit us online at truesportspt.com. True Sports, what sports rehab should be.